Bennett. Daniel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm I'm re- I'm well rested. I'm feeling good. Um, and yesterday I received my first order of freshly one of these home delivery food you know services that I'm. What's it called? Uh, freshly, not to be confused with Hello Fresh or a lot of the other names have fresh in their title. Freshly. Yeah. So like that the actual word F R E S H L Y. Yep. I mean, I guess that's a word. That's not one I would use a lot. Like it, freshly what? Freshly delivered food, I guess. Oh. Uh, okay. I mean, it has the word fresh, and I guess it's <laughs> it's, it's like uh, chef-prepared meals straight to your door. What, I don't know. They chef? all have some sort of, uh, you know, chef freshly, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it, <laughs> like responsibly resourced. Throw in all your, you know, whatever. Organic. Like, yeah. Non-GMO. Yeah, yeah. All of that stuff. Cage-free. Gluten. They, well, all diets. Like, free you can, range. You can, yep. Cage. Free free caged, you know, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and I don't know. I'm, I'm overwhelmed. Even when you Google, like, best uh, home delivery meal services, they... All these ads, it's hard to differentiate what's like an ad or what's a, I mean, because they'll have lists and it's just like, whatever. This one had a really good special. I've been wanting to try it for a while. And so um, it arrived yesterday and I was curious what, what it would be like getting these foods delivered to me. Like, do, how do they keep it? Like, it didn't mention, like, be there when it arrives. Dry ice, throw it sure, in your, yeah. right? Well, actually, it was those sort of gel packs. Um, so it was this really heavy box. I oh. open it, and it's insulated with a sort of plastic-encased foam, and then three ice packs, essentially, or gel packs, um, <laughs> that they said you can either just cut, let it go down the drain, because it's like a friendly gel, and then throw away, or you can just use these giant ice packs. But they're so huge, they would take up a third of my freezer. Uh, so it felt like package-intensive, wow. yet it tried to give the impression of like you, you know how things are in brown and cardboard to kind of look green and you know of like friendly to mother earth sure. you know what i'm talking about like yeah. so they're packaged that way and it talked about recycle this like let the gel out and then recycle it or it even wanted me to cut the discard the foam but recycle the plastic to the to the, you know whatever um but I have not tried the food yet since it came in yesterday, and I went out with some friends yesterday. But um, I'm surprised I'm that they it. put those big gel packs in there. I mean, that I, just seems inefficient for shipping and space. I mean, the nice thing about dry ice is that, you know, as it melts, it turns into CO2 and just dissipates. So, Well, how expensive you know, is to, dry ice? I just don't – I'm imagining the gel – everything's cheap because gel's cheap and whatever if it's basically, you know, water and some other substance. But – but it's heavy. The whole thing was really heavy. Right. That's what I thought would be pricey. Right, right, right. For shipping. Um, I don't know how much it costs to make dry ice compared to the gel, but I don't know. I mean, maybe it's more expensive than I'm thinking. I just wouldn't imagine so. It would feel really futuristic to open up a box and have all the cool dry ice coming out and everything. So, I Well, know. I mean, I think a lot of food... I guess it depends on the food, too. Like, if you're shipping frozen food... Which, this isn't frozen, is it? This food no, well, drink? that's actually something. Uh, so I put it's it just in the fridge. It said put it in your fridge, and so yeah. I did. So I got, one time, I got some meat delivered to me, um, and it had dry ice packaged in there. And so mm. everything was very cold. It was, like, noticeably just really freaking cold when you'd go to grab, you know, one of the steaks that was in this dry ice cooled package. And it's like, wow, this is, like... 
uh, Actually a very frozen, special kind of cold that I've never felt before. <laughs> like you, you hold a it for a very special kind of cold. Yeah, like you hold it for just a second, and you're like, I can't hold this anymore, and you have to like put it down. It's like holding something that's too hot to to handle. Yeah. Um, so, so no, man. I looked at mine. There was no ice build up or anything. It was very reasonably cold, I suppose. Put it in the fridge, and I will see how it all works today. I didn't. What kind want of anything. food did you get? Uh, I mean, did you get I actually, hot dogs? I, I got six meals. There's like Aloha Pigs chicken. I got some turkey. Uh, pizza rolls. No, <laughs> no, none of the things you're saying. They're like fairly fancy little meals that are healthy and blah blah blah. I don't know. They're. I could go look, but I mean, I think I've got some pork and some turkey and some chicken and some uh, a little bit of everything. How much and, preparation do you have to do? Well, okay, so there's varying ones. I think Blue Apron was the one that kind of started all of this. I mean, I didn't do all my research. Really, I just took Why? this because it was usually the, you do yes, a lot of research. Yes, because I've been considering all of these things, but they're, they're really pricey. And this was running a special six meals for fifty dollars, um, and, and that's including delivery and including everything. And so I said, I'll take a little risk on this one and just see if am I really going to eat six meals kind of consecutively for dinner? Like, is this a realistic habit? that I could get into. Um, and this was also just heat up uh, in the microwave and eat within the dish. So some of them are like, here are your ingredients and spend 30 minute prep time and another mm-hmm. 45 in the oven. Um, right. And that's not what I'm looking for. I can see why that's appealing to a lot of people, but just personally, like my point is convenient. I, don't, I can't really understand. I don't understand why that's even that appealing. I mean, you might as well, go to the grocery store and get those things you have to do the same process to yep. prepare and then and then cook i tried you the, just the, buy your own ingredients in a way they're making it idiot proof i suppose like just dump this packet of spices in there um and then you feel like so you get to reap the benefits of feeling like you prepared something uh and and yet you <laughs> i don't know but you're spending the time and that to me that's like the whole point of this is I'm not going to go grocery shopping. This place even it has snacks, freshly has snacks, like healthier snacks. So what if I had, you know, your basic like nuts and whatever, it's just snacky deliciousness and, and never had to go to the grocery store again. And it was all, uh, I had a, a variety of foods and, and I was eating healthy. Because my problem is if I'm coming home from uh, from work and I'm hungry, I just will like go through Taco Bell or something a couple of times a week, and that's just not what I need to be doing. If I know I've invested, there's almost a psychological investment, kind of like if I buy a workout program, I'm going to do the workout program because I bought it. So I think some of that commitment um, is psychological, and so I'll see how that plays out. But I'm excited well, about it. I, uh, you know, I last month, or I guess it was for part of April and most of May, I was trying out a ketogenic diet, and you know, with that, you can't, you basically can't eat any carbs. And so that rules out a lot of fast food that I usually would eat for lunch or something. And so I was in the habit of uh, making, you know, grilling a lot of meat or cooking things in the frying pan and stuff. And I actually, like, I had, before I tried this diet, I thought, man, it's really inconvenient to, like, cook your own stuff. Like, you have to do things and <laughs> yeah, exactly. like heat, do preheat things. things and you know pr- put spices on things and they're right. just a lot I just of steps eat it. <laughs> but but like actually i have now through doing this i've now learned that oftentimes it's more time efficient to just make your own food than to go to, to get in your car drive to a fast food place even go through the drive-through it's still 
would take me, you know, 25, 35 minutes to from leaving my apartment to go get the food and coming back to when I could start eating. And you can easily prepare a, a delicious meal in 25 or 35 minutes. That's like a grilling a steak only takes, you know, 8 to 10 minutes. Doing, uh, like, I did some lamb chops in the uh, frying pan. Those only took about 8 minutes. Like, you can saute mushrooms or spinach or whatever else you want to go with it. It doesn't take long. So, actually, I have now, I'm not doing the keto diet anymore. That was just an experiment. But now, for the last few weeks, I'll only go pick up food for lunch, like, maybe once or twice during the week. And I just make my food the rest of the time. So that, as far as an experiment, you've become come to better appreciate just cooking, essentially, or, or well, creating I, your own meals. I realized that, oh, I was doing something that I thought was convenient, but actually it's not convenient. Uh, it's less convenient than it could be. Well, there's also something to be said for you're starting at home, you're leaving, and then you're coming back home. I mean, if, if there's a place sure, if between there's something already on your and, way, then yeah. that, that changes the equation. But starting from home and saying, I need food in my belly, what do I do about this? And then, you know, you have to leave, go get it, and then come back. Well, that just takes more time. I guess just the bigger picture is, like, there's so many different ways to consume food now. Um, and it's so far from uh, that hunter-gathering. Like, like that used to be the way. You, you hunted and you gathered, and that was how you ate. Uh, and now it's like, I'm debating to whether I cook at home, go to fast food, or have it delivered to my door. It just is, is so far from what uh, cavemen had to do, I guess. <laughs> yep, we're not cavemen anymore. We're not cavemen anymore. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, I, the real question, too, is how delicious is the food for me when I eat it? I'm, I'm just, I don't know what it is psychologically about cooking and either i'm bad at it or i don't like i'll I'll prepare i've done this several times like grilled some chicken put them in uh you know their different portions and have it ready for the week and then i'll just be so dreading that chicken (laughs) that i'll convince myself to get taco bell or something else and i'm like why why do i do this why am i like this and i wonder if i'll reach the same feeling with this the freshly thing i don't know we'll see i don't i don't i don't have that feeling i I want to know if i'm unique in that or if, if other people you know can identify with this idea that like oh i just dang it i made this chicken for the week and now i'm sick of chicken on the day i made it all like i had to look I mean, at it knowing i'm gonna eat it all week and i'm sick of it by the time i'm done cooking it like I what's mean, wrong does it with not me? taste good to you um oh well chicken's good uh if i cook it right i feel like sometimes i don't i haven't figured out how to perfectly prepare it and that's silly to say but it mm. just doesn't come out good sometimes and sometimes it's fine so hmm. yeah it's my own I, ineptness i, I guess I don't know. I mean, I I do uh like I just went to the grocery store this morning and bought um a bunch of salmon. That's one of my go-to things and I just make a bunch of salmon and then eat it throughout the week. It's actually pretty good reheated. Um and I do chicken sometimes as well. You could try bacon wrapped chicken. That makes it taste a little better. Yeah. You wouldn't think salmon by the way would be good reheated. I would think fish would be bad reheated. You wouldn't think so, but it's actually really good because it's pretty fatty. Um, it's a pretty fatty fish, and it just reheats well. It tastes, it tastes. I would say eighty-five percent as good reheated as it does when it's freshly cooked. How do you reheat it? In the microwave. Yeah. So, huh. Um, subject shift. Yeah. Yeah, I, I've got something that um, that you might find interesting. Hit me with it. Uh, so I don't know how, uh, how much you remember your Bible stories, 
but I've got an I've got uh, an interesting etymological uh, thing to talk about, and I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna read it to you starting from a Bible verse. The reason because the Bible is really old, and so this is pr- probably one of the earlier recordings of the word. So anyway, okay. you probably don't remember this, but um, way back in Genesis, uh, in like Genesis 24, the, the Abraham story, do you remember anything about that? Um, maybe. I'll tell you what I remember after you've told me this. Well, the, the story isn't all that important for what, for what I want to talk about, but there's a part where uh, Abraham, he's asking one of his servants to go out and search for a wife for his son, Isaac. Um, and so he, he makes his servant... Uh, testify that he'll go to his homeland to find a wife, not not where they currently are located. So the actual the actual verse is tell tell me if there's anything in this verse that's unusual to okay. you. So the verse is, put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites among whom I am living, but will go to my country and my own relatives, and get a wife for my son, Isaac. So is there something unusual in there to you? I mean, your initial put your hand under my thigh. Yeah. Um, Isn't that weird? Could you read it that one more, or at least that part, the first put, half? Of- put your hand under my thigh. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will blah, 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 blah. Yeah, so, so it makes me feel like instead of putting your hand on the Bible, you know, and you raise your right hand and swear, you know, whatever, like, <laughs> like you're putting it under your thigh as some sort of solemn promise making. Yeah. What is the deal with that? <laughs> hand so, under so, the thigh. So here's, here's the interesting thing. So it, the word testify... That's essentially <laughs> that's essentially what this person is doing is testifying right, right. solemnly that they will swear to do this thing, and so there's a theory that under my thigh means cupping Abraham's testicles. <laughs> when you said testify, I'm like, oh. <laughs> well, this the this phrase and the similar put, putting your hand under the thigh and all is used a few other times in the Bible as well. And this it, estimates of Abraham's time was like 1800 BC, so a long, long time ago. And the Latin root for testify is testis. That's the same, the same word as testicles. So there is a link there somehow. And so the question, the historical question, is: is that is, is that what it means? Like when you swear, or when they swore back then, did they? do so on each other's testicles or on their own testicles. Like I swear, like put your balls on the line kind of thing. Kind of, right. Or I guess you're putting your balls on someone else. Is that, I mean, your hands your hands on someone else's testicles and, and then swearing. Right, well, so uh, I found another, when I was looking for information on this, I found another kind of anecdote or assertion that in ancient Rome, men used to swear by cupping each other's testicles or or if they were giving public testimony, grabbing their own how weird is that to like be in court or whatever and you know just <laughs> hold on yourself. yourself i swear i, I swear, swear by this by all that i hold sacred in this world yeah um <laughs> you know i'm trying to think it makes some sort of sense that like um familial like kinship not just kinship but i guess your your family line and your ability to reproduce that was a it's always a premium it's a, it's why mm-hmm. we exist but i feel like that was 
I mean, lineage, a lot of the the Bible even go, spends a great amount of time going into the detail of the various lineages. And, That's true. And, and this is this is who you are. You are more than, I mean, that, that the importance of a last name. So you are more than your name, your first name. Your last name is a really big part of your identity. So nothing's more important than your lineage, your name, and what you bring to the table. And so uh, it's easy for me to link testicles to, to symbolically represent lineage and like everything you stand for so it is it is how you go and reproduce and that sort of thing yeah that that tends to be the analysis that i that i found as well and it makes sense so swearing on your progeny or whatever and so for this particular abraham story you know abraham's trying to find someone to marry his son and so the servant swears on abraham's balls i guess because (laughs) you know it's abraham's progeny that he's trying to make good on essentially also when i was looking uh, apparently this connection isn't 100 percent accepted uh there's some muddying of the waters that i found where the same root can mean the the number three which suggests maybe a third party witness but the question remains like why why is testis the root for both both testify and testicles and put your I'll, hand under my thigh sounds euphemistic. Like it just sounds right. like they didn't need want to get too explicit, but they're clearly saying, "Put put it there." Right. <laughs> and it wasn't sexual. Like it clearly no, was not sexual. Right. Right. So I, I also found when I was searching about this, I found an interesting article about how baboons will use testicle grabbing as a greeting. <laughs> Because it shows trust. Well, because the baboons are really like, they're really antagonistic and aggressive. Right. And nothing's like more especially... vulnerable than putting, yeah, right. than allowing that to happen. You were exactly. saying, oh, you, you've got well, me in your hands. You can do it. Like, you could, you could defeat me here. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly right. And I like this. This this particular uh, article was talking about how a lot of primates actually will, like, a sign of friendship between primates is like they'll just stick their fingers up the other one's nose or just continually like slap at them or something and and the longer the the one being slapped or having their nose violated will just sit there and and take it shows the strength of the friendship uh and and so like two uncertain baboons will will use testicle grabbing because it's a sign of trust wow. and they're essentially saying you know like yeah, I'm going to put myself in this vulnerable position, and you know we both know that we could take each other out or whatever. Um, and I just I, that the it was linked to the swearing on the testicles by humans, and in that you know it's kind of a similar sort of behavior. It is well being completely vulnerable in that moment too, and when in which you are testifying, so you are you're you're saying this is true, and I swear by the testicles, but also like uh, there's some trust in in your word. You know, this reminds me of a well, the less extreme version of, of humans. My understanding is that the handshake is a way of, like, you know, when two parties would come to greet each other, you'd be saying, I'm unarmed, see me. Like, you're revealing by having your hand extended, I have mm-hmm. no weapon and I don't intend to grab one. And right. so that makes sense. Um, it It's not as extreme as, like, now let me fondle you or hold you in my hand. Like, like the handshake is so much uh, tamer, I suppose. I guess. Or less vulnerable than the monkeys holding each other wow i didn't know that 
Does this mean that? Does this mean that women can't be trusted when they swear? <laughs> yeah, women just aren't. They can't. They cannot testify. They should not be. <laughs> right? They can hold someone else's. I'm still a little unclear. So, so yeah. in this case, it's hold. If you're going to testify on, on something, you're going to tell someone. You're going to hold theirs. Like, I, well, like I need right. to know the truth. Come here. Get your hand. Put them under my thigh and tell me the truth. Like, is that is that what's well, going? That makes a little less sense. Like it seems more symbolically right to hold your own or to let. If you're telling me the truth, then I'm holding yours as you tell me the truth or something like that. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the details I don't get may, too caught up into may that, have but. been lost in history, but. Um, I guess now, like, if anyone ever asks you to swear or testify or pinky swear or anything, you can one-up them. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll know exactly what to do. I'll, I'll do you one it. better. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. It's so uh, oh, so strange. I like that. I like etymology and learning about words. I do, too. That's a particularly unique one. Thing, one. This is something that popped. This is silly. But this is one thing that popped into my head when you were talking earlier, and I, I wanted to interrupt, but you were on a roll. You said, reap the benefits. You were talking about food, and you were saying, you know, you want to reap the benefits or whatever. But reap and rape are actually from the same etymological origin as well. And <laughs> I want to rape the benefits. I want to rape the benefits. You could just replace that phrase in yeah. your vocabulary. vocabulary. You mean to get everything you can out of, to snatch from, yeah. <laughs> to, to, to take from, like, to yeah, grab yeah, yeah. with to authority, reap, yeah. to reap. Yeah. Uh, I don't, that's a little uncomfortable, but to, yeah, reap the benefits. Because that's, when you, to to reap the rewards, to reap, you almost, yeah, benefits and rewards seem to be those common phrases that it's coupled with. Not something you mm-hmm. would couple with rape, like oh, rewards and benefits of, of <laughs> yeah, right. that's uncomfortable. Uh, um, all right. So I was scrolling through my Instagram earlier and I have a lot of, You have of, an like, Instagram? I have an Instagram. Why? Yeah. Why? Uh, actually my students made it for me, uh, forever ago when we were on a Washington DC trip and we were all just snapping pictures all the time. And, uh, they said, Oh, like post them, post them and, or send them or whatever. And I said, I don't know what a good way to do that is. So they created one that ended up becoming, sort of a teacher's student account so i'd post things we're doing in the classroom and whatever and poetry do you still post anything on there um very rarely and uh how many likes do you get there are likes on instagram right? yes so uh like a a, though that's a good question so the average i can tell you that like you can you can people clearly categorize their popularity by their num- number of likes as so, they should yeah that's your self-worth is dependent upon your number of likes clearly and so by the time you have someone who's like a senior in high school who's popular they're going to be getting 500 likes or um, if they're reasonable 300 likes if you're unpopular uh 80 70 if you're <laughs> a- if you're active uh this is assuming you're active and you know and um, I'm very not active and unpopular and an adult that like, so I don't have, so, so what happened is it was, it was only students following me and it was pretty much just strictly professional account. But since I don't like get on it a lot and then some people from like, 
you know, high school or people I know would kind of follow me, but it's not like I'm posting a lot anyway. I would only post. So if when I post you say something, people I, like, from high school, you mean people that my you went high, to high my, school yeah, with? Sorry, yeah, that I went to high school with, or just so the lines are friends. blurred. Between... Yeah, they're they're blurred, but I don't use. I mean, it's all about how I use it. So if I were posting sort of politically incorrect jokes or edgy stuff, that would be one thing. But if I'm just, or even if you were posting just teacher stuff, then it would be. A little weird to have your high school friends just see teacher stuff, I suppose. Right. But no harm done. They would just say, "Wow, yeah, this no seems harm done." Of professional, course. sort of, or whatever. They'd just um, defriend you, or what is it called on Instagram when you delete un- someone? Unfollow. Unfollowing. Yeah. Um, don't get me wrong. I'm not the expert to ask about Instagram, but I can tell you if I post something, and it's to, to give you perspective. It's been like over a year, maybe two years uh, since I posted, but mm-hmm. I'll, I'll get like thirty or forty likes. Um, so. Um, yeah, I mean, not a lot at all, and so yeah, you're um, really unpopular. But what I find the reason is I is there ch- anyone on that you're that you follow or anything that's way more popular than you that gets a lot more likes? Oh, almost everyone has even so even the unpopular high school students will get seventy, eighty likes. Like I was saying, wow. But can you go ahead? Send me their contact info, and I can start doing a podcast with them instead. <laughs> Yeah, we, you and I are like horribly ill-equipped because we we neither respect nor engage in social media and like this. So it's really let's start a podcast. That makes sense. Wow, it's, we're gonna really get a huge following. We really understand this culture, and we really yeah. since we like it a lot, let's uh, let's start a podcast. We really are not the the prime to but i guess that we're also unadulterated by it we have not been reaped by it you know no, about... no reaping of us <laughs> and that's something we can testify to <laughs> so that was good um so what i ended up doing too is following writers and teacher accounts that give you little like you know, what they'll call like uh uh micro uh professional development moments just silly stuff it's just quotes and things like that. it's a lot of quotes right. i just see a lot of quotes and so today i saw one and it was just a, a quote by susan sontag and it, she said that? um well she's like an american novelist i think she did some films she uh, uh has written some modern essays um i don't really know I, i'm curious that's funny that you say that because I, I heard the name susan sontag and i'm like i know that person definitely she's famous and i should know she's probably famous for some other things that i or i would go oh um but i didn't bother looking her up before i i did this yeah i've um, never heard of that okay person. so so it's probably something that like literature or literary people should definitely know and that's why i've heard the name but i couldn't tell you what she's done hmm. Uh, yeah. But she's super famous within literature, whatever that means. Um, <laughs> right. So she just said, and it's a simple quote. It says, a writer, I think, is someone who pays attention to the world. And that, that hit me, and I liked it in its simplicity. You know, a writer, I think, is someone who pays attention to the world. And that begged the question, um, what, what should we pay attention to? Uh, because I agree that a writer, like the job is to notice the smaller things to kind of slow down in this ever increasingly fast paced world. And then this got me on a roll of thinking just, just to show you how difficult it is to decide what to pay attention to. I, I thought about, and this, this is not a novel idea. People have covered this ground before, but like just YouTube alone, let's like YouTube began on February 14th of 2005 
Um, and the math on that is that they have been in operation for 5,234 days. So that's 125,616 hours. Wow, um, you're throwing a lot of numbers at me, man. Too many. Um, I'm just not a math guy like you are, I guess. Well, so I did the math beforehand. But so, well, since they've been open, open since 2005, they've been open for 125,616 hours. Um, and they have purported that they have, this is what blows my mind, um, 300 hours of content are uploaded every minute. Right. So roughly, if you were to go back, I'm sure that wasn't the day they launched that they had that sort of numbers. But if we just ran that, it's two billion two hundred sixty-one thousand, or two hundred two billion two hundred sixty-one million eighty-eight thousand. Doesn't matter. You're saying if you did assume that that rate was constant all the way since then, right? Because they released that number like four years ago and haven't updated it. They're pretty mysterious about how they won't just say how many hours of content. Three hundred big number. Three hundred hours of content uploaded every minute. So. If you were to say 300 times 125,616 yeah. times, that's 2,261,088,000. Right. And so then, even a conservative estimate puts it at, you know, approaching a billion. Yes. And if you were to say that the average American human life, which is roughly 79 years, it's like 78.6 or something, that's uh-huh. 600 or 692,040 hours. That's how long we live, 692,000. Right. And so... so- Six hundred ninety-two thousand. Yeah. Right. So yeah, we couldn't even watch like less than one one thousandth yes. of the content on YouTube if we did nothing but watch YouTube. Yeah, one three thousand two hundred sixty-seven. Yeah, with um, that lifetime, with that big estimate. <laughs> yeah, with the right. bigger estimate. Um, and so like, this is just YouTube. <laughs> like, sure. And a lot it's of not it... even counting e bombs world. <laughs> It's not counting everything else in life. I'm just saying if we wanted to direct our attention and become an expert of YouTube, um, mm-hmm. that if a writer's job is to pay attention, I would actually say to be a good human is to pay attention. Like, slow down, take note of what, what matters. Um, right. Yeah, that's, yeah. What, what the heck do we do? And I feel like it's always, it's been a question plaguing philosophers and people forever, but we have certainly made it more difficult with just putting in more things. Um, yeah. 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 That's, that's true. What, what struck me, this is, this doesn't really, um, speak to your ultimate point, but when you told me the quote, will you read me the quote again real quick? Yeah. It's, um, I'm pulling it back up. Uh, A writer, I think is someone who pays attention to the world. I mean, that's not all a writer is right. I mean, because, if you if you pay attention, that doesn't mean you're a writer. You have to actually write what you paid attention to. Right, able to articulate their. I mean, it just seems like a weird wording. I understand what this person is trying to say, but it seems like you would say writers. I think pay very close attention to the world. Right. Yeah. No, I see. It's, what you're it's a trait about writers. Instead of saying. A writer is someone who pays attention to the world, like they're equivalent, because obviously you could pay very close attention and not write anything. Um, but I'm just being, I'm picking apart the sentence, I guess. I think uh-huh. it's that it's it's artful in the fact that it phrases it that way. So I agree with you that it falls apart on the semantic oh, level. But art it, is it poetry? Well, I'm not trying to be silly. Actually, I think it's just that a, a writer is someone who. 
And then you could do a whole, you could do a poem on that. A writer is someone who pays attention to the world. A writer is someone who feels intensely. A writer is someone who, and and then is like, that? I guess you don't know the context of the statement to know if that is what I happened. don't know. Uh, I don't know, but I like I like it decontextualized because it just it it, it unearths one of the key facets to writing is like if yeah, you're well, not sure. paying I attention, then you're not a good spirit. writer. I definitely agree with the spirit of that. A writer does have to pay attention because you need material. Right. Otherwise, you're just left with, well, what do I write about? I don't know anything. And there has to be some intuition guiding like what you're paying attention to and what you choose to reveal. Because if you want to write even just a, a basic scene between two people, um, well... At least now you have some like you have a construct of two people interacting, but like to what degree do you go to the to do you tell about them entering the room and then do you talk about the door or maybe the doorknob or the inner workings of that doorknob? I mean, there's a right. there's just infinite detail and in selecting which ones matter. I mean, that that's kind of the secret to life is like, well, where do I put my what do I pay attention to? And if I could right. do that, then I could get toward meaningful answers. Um, well, I mean, even on a physiological level, we're kind of designed to to deal with the problem of overwhelming stimuli around us. Like, you can become desensitized to smells, for instance. You know, like, if you walk into a room where someone has burnt some bacon, you instantly notice. But if you stay in the room for a long time, you stop being able to smell the burnt bacon. Okay, so we right? know that's true, but why is that the case? You mean on a cellular level or uh, I mean the point I guess the point evolutionary that or the point that I'm trying to make with regards to paying attention is that your body has mechanisms that will filter out bombarding stimuli so that you can focus on what's changing because what's changing is more likely to be relevant to your survival, for instance, right? So if something is just continuous then you're obviously dealing with it. But if it's something new, then that's something worth paying attention to. So once your body's recognized, the, okay, there's burnt bacon in here, and since we know this, I don't need to continue continually be reminded through the you know olfactory senses that that's the case. So they just yeah you know, sure. Waltz. Well, I mean, you could imagine someone living. A, let's take your caveman example, and you know, it just smells like cave around them. Whatever <laughs> cave smells like, yeah. you probably have a shampoo that is <laughs> sounds like a good man shampoo. <laughs> it really does, like cave for men. Cave for men. We'll, I like that. We'll make women cave. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, like, it just smells like cave normally, and that is that is not special. But as soon as you start to smell fire, you know, smoke, then uh, then that sends off alarm bells. Like, you pay attention to that. It would wake you up if you were sleeping and you smelled smoke uh, because it's a change. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it, it catches your attention. Um, and your body, your body is primed for that, to pay attention to things that, that change suddenly. Yeah, yeah. Because um, your cave might burn down. Yeah, you need to know that. Fun fact, um, they add that smell to gas, I think to natural gas. It's, it's like a rotten uh, egg smell yeah, so that gas. we can ad- identify it or something. So if there's a leak in your house. Right, because um, it can kill you. Right. And so uh, this company, I wish I could give you all the details, but a company in the, let's say, 70s, um, uh-huh. 
sent out a scratch and sniff sticker uh, to so people would know exactly what it smelled like, and it replicated yeah. the smell so accurately that they were getting hundreds of calls about the leaking gas before they stopped sending out the little card, you know, to with the scratch and sniff sticker. Wait, but, I don't understand. Why were they getting calls? Because people, people they, they were getting it people, like as a pamphlet in their mail, like almost like a junk mail thing. Like here's a little scratch and sniff sticker and so to remind you. They just wouldn't you. pay attention to it and throw it away, and but they, then would, they smell would smell the, it. Yeah, I guess I, I guess there's maybe they scratched it. Maybe they maybe a kid. <laughs> I don't know. I don't because it usually takes the scratching to release the smell. But uh, they were right. getting lots and lots, like hundreds. Actually, was the number. I know that that's all. Hmm. These details are murky, but I know that they were getting hundreds of calls before they just discontinued sending out these scratch and sniff stickers to, to their customers to remind them, I guess that this is what it smells like. <laughs> it's kind of a weird, even uh, like campaign. Like here's some, here's what our gas smells like. Right. Stinky eggs. Um, yeah. But smell. So, so yeah, we are, that's an interesting theory. So that we, well, it's not theory. I guess it's just a true that we are more accustomed to when something changes. Like if well, someone sure were to walk in right now, I would be more, I would know that. But honestly, someone could have been standing behind me quietly for the last 20 minutes. I mean, I find myself looking and no one's there. Uh, but, but, right. But, well, yeah. I, but I mean, I guess you could also try to say that, you know, our, uh, our bodies are designed in a way so that we, we have limited perception. I mean, our eyes only face forward, and we don't have eyes all the way around our head. We can't see in 360 degrees around ourselves. And not only that, but our eyes have to focus in a particular area. Our peripheral vision isn't as strong or as uh, detailed. Um, and so, like, we are we're built to focus on one thing or a small subset of things at a time rather than absorb a whole lot of information all at once. Are we more... Okay, so when we're focused, so like you and I having this conversation, entering this this concept of third space, which we could articulate more, but like you and me come together, we're not in the same room, but we're talking and we're focused on each other's words. Mm -hmm. Um are we more vulnerable? The more focused we are in one area, the more vulnerable we are to every other area. Is that reasonable? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, sure. If someone kicked down your door and was going to rob you, then this would be a bad time. Like it would take you, a, obviously you would react, but it would take you a little bit longer to react it, at, uh, as opposed to if you were standing in front of the door, like waiting for someone to come in. Right, and if you consider something even more subtle, because that would jolt you, right? So that would make sure. you leave third space completely. But but if there was a creeping fire behind me, gently burning initially, <laughs> uh, no, really though, like, or whatever. Sure, so I'm yeah, trying to think sure. of just something dangerous that's not so obvious, uh, like a, someone coming in the door. I'm going to, I'm not going to say immediately, but I'm going to change directions and and leave this space, and you know. I mean, yeah, it'll it'll be jarring to shift, but I will do it. Whereas I could just see myself neglecting, like fire behind me, smoke's creeping in, and I'm just so into our conversation that it, it, yeah. Like, or my you, nose your isn't your it. girlfriend was calling you, and you know you left your phone on the counter or yeah. something. Oh, you know? well, or like, like the time we were actually, times. I forgot to um, pick her up from the airport. Oh god, that was hilarious. <laughs> yeah, very like, funny. <laughs> I mean, that's like true. Like we were in a conversation, so I neglected a duty uh, or a promise or whatever. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, and I think that, I mean that's actually a realistic. People do this all the time, neglecting um, whether it's work or schoolwork or or 
tasks or laundry or lots of stuff because they just mm-hmm. get focused on other things. Um, so it seems like that what we're talking about is actually, I can't say that it's an uncommon problem nowadays, but it seems like that that problem doesn't get as much focus, to, to put it in a funny way. But like now, rather than the problem being people are too absorbed in what they're working on, that they lose track of maybe things that they should pay attention to. Now, instead, the problem seems to be people's attention is so fractured and spread over over a number of apps and messages and streaming shows and sites and everything that now no one has the focus to actually get anything accomplished on their primary task. Well, I totally agree that the word fractured you use is, is just encapsulates it all i find myself even during my moments of pure entertainment um i'm addicted to the game clash royale the little you know app game on your phone and so i'll pull up an episode of like i'm, I'm re-watching always sunny and Phil- it's always sunny in philadelphia and it's just i've seen it before i like it a lot it's been years so i'm re-watching it but i'll find myself saying well since i've seen it before um and this is my entertainment time, and it's not the kind of intellectually rigorous exercise to pay attention to the plots. You know, they're episodic, they're silly, they're absurd. Uh, so I will play Clash Royale while it'll go on, and I'll find myself... I mean, we think we're good at dividing our attention, but we're totally not. So I will jump in and I can fill in the blanks, but but ultimately I'm like losing out on the joy of the show... Um, or losing a game in Clash Royale because I'm paying attention to the show. And mm-hmm. it, I'm not getting some sort of double the benefit. I'm definitely getting some half-assed, like, I'm I'm not getting even 50-50. If you add them up together, I'm getting the same amount of joy. No, I'm, like, getting watered-down version, crappy versions of each in which I walk away going, that game wasn't as much fun as I thought, and that show wasn't as good as I thought either. Like, yeah. that's what's happening ultimately. Yeah, I have the same experience whenever I try to split my attention like that. It just things just don't don't work out as well. Like if I'm talking on the phone and trying to I don't know, read an email or or just do some relatively trivial task but that does require reading some words. Uh, it's just not I'm going to be distracted from the conversation and I might like mess up what, the task that I'm trying to do. If it's just a purely mechanical task, like folding clothes or something say, like that, no problem. But um, Well, but it's still a it requires, problem for me. I would say I can only accomplish it at 20% of the speed, folding clothes, while talking to you and being engaged in a conversation. But guess what? I'm willing to go at 20% the folding pace because who cares? Like, right. who cares? I wouldn't <laughs> I say it's 20% for me. I can do it pretty effectively. I mean, hold, having to hold the phone at the same time. Um, because I don't have fancy schmancy AirPods. Um, <laughs> They're like great. I recommend them. I no, I'm not interested. Um, <clears throat> that that you know that puts a damper on my effectiveness a little bit, but I can still manage to fold everything pretty quickly. And and to me, that's like your concept of bonus time. It's like bonus, you know, bonus chore or whatever. I accomplished something, and I didn't have to actually. It's almost like I wasn't even there to do it. You know, my body just did it for me. Yeah, well, that's so because you're distracted, then you're pulling yourself have you ever away thought from about, that in a good way. Have you ever thought about, I, I think we may have talked about this at some point in the past, but it's been a while. Because we talk on the phone a lot, and for years we have. 
and and many times when we've talked on the phone, one or the other of us has been driving either you know a long haul drive back to back to our hometown or whatever. But it's a good time to talk on the phone because it's just you can divert your attention. But in a way, it's kind of scary that you're behind the wheel of this big machine going, you know, dozens of miles an hour. Dozens. And, and it's okay to be in third, in a different third space. You're not even really present there on the road anymore. Like, all of your focus and attention is on the, the conversation. And sometimes, like, when we've, when we've had conversations like that on the phone when I'm driving, it's almost like I just appear at my destination, you know, after the conversation is over. I don't really remember passing through wherever I passed through or, or whatever happened on the road, you know, unless it was something that jarred me out of the conversation. I'm just like, oh, I'm, I'm here. Right. Oh, wow. It's really bizarre. It is. Well, be, people who also make their daily commutes and perhaps have a, a, a an audio book and, and, and the ride, the automaticity is there. They don't have to think, oh, i got to take a left up here. Let me check. Like, no, mm-hmm. it's like you take a left every time. So you just arrive at work or... Like you said, we're talking on the phone for an hour or two or three or whatever, and like those three hours went by, and we were focused on the the dialogue, not the not the ride. How, like, how is this safe? Like, my, obviously, I, something's going on where it's safer than we think, and I, I can I can picture times too where I've been like, hold on, Bennett, like there's something weird about this car coming up ahead, or this, sure, you sure. know, or, or I've got a, I got a tough turn here. Hold on, just a second, like whatever. So we so we seem to be reasonably good at identifying, hey, I need to come out of this for a second and focus mm-hmm. elsewhere. But I am uncomfortable with the idea of I'm just, I'm going 70 miles an hour on the road and like not actually thinking about it at all. Like, well, I can't say at all. I mean, Clearly I some, guess, but. I, I guess it just goes to show how good we are at, at at putting certain processes on the back burner. So when you're driving, like again, unless something is rapidly changing, then it doesn't need your attention. As long as you're between the white lines, you know, and there's not someone entering your visual space or honking their horn at you that you can hear. As long as nothing is interrupting the expected and relatively sl- I mean, things don't visually change that much when you're driving, right. you know. Even though you're going fast, the road is is made Long. in a way that it doesn't change that much. Um, and so if it's a relaxing drive on the interstate, it actually doesn't require all that much attention from you. And so you can focus somewhere else, but in the same way where, you know, if we were having this podcast and someone kicked down your door, you would notice that, you know, if we were having a conversation and, and, and you were driving and someone pulled in front of you, you would notice that too. And it would jar you. perhaps this is all a testament to how easy driving on the interstate is if when things are going smoothly you know it is i mean it is really easy when when things are going smoothly and i guess that's why you know we have auto driving modes on some cars that can drive for you when you're on the interstate i uh yeah gosh that's going to be so difficult to to for me to transition to when i actually put it on and i can't imagine the first time that'll do that it'll be very scary to me um, but that's a whole rabbit hole. Well, <laughs> at least right now, with the way it is right now, you're supposed to sit there and pay attention to it. You know, like you can let go of the wheel 
and everything and let it drive, but you're, you're you're not supposed to, you know, like climb into the back seat or fall asleep or anything. But could you read a book maybe? I mean, what, what, what are the limits to this? Because if you're actually paying attention and then why not just hold just the drive. wheel? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like that, uh, that it seems uh, un, it's not reasonable to say you don't have to drive, but you have to do all of the driving that you need to be assessing the situation and ready to intervene at a moment's notice. It's like, well, then that's, then you're driving. Like, what's the difference? What your foot placement on the pedal and your hand gripping the wheel, that's the difference. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah. I mean, I guess you probably could read a book. It, it seems to me, uh, well, okay. I know when I'm going on a ride, like, like I won't call you or anyone else until I'm in a place where it's easy. So it, the initial, I won't call you and then figure out all the little turns and stuff I sure. have to do to get on the interstate. I'll wait until it says 70 miles before your next turn. Okay. Now I'm good. So, mm-hmm. um, so I, I intelligently like position my phone calls to be when I can be on autopilot, essentially, at, at least, you know, mentally on autopilot. Right. So how far are we away from that being almost a standard thing in cars, like autopilot, you stuff, know, real some autopilot? People, some people think it's right around the corner, and, you know, we have prototypes that work. Um, you know, Tesla cars have a essentially an autopilot mode, and Google has a car that can navigate you know, traffic lights and turns and all that stuff, like with a bunch of cameras and sensors on mm-hmm. it. So, proto- in the prototype stage, we can manage it. I'm a little skeptical. I would love to see it become more popular. I think it's a really cool technology that could save a lot of time and lives potentially. But I'm a little skeptical about how quickly it's going to advance. And this skepticism is born of. Like, going to the grocery store, if you go to the grocery store and just stand in the self-checkout area and just watch people for a while, <laughs> yeah, man, you, you'll quickly lose faith in, uh, in people's interaction with machines, <laughs> you, you know? like well, You mean because the, the, the process is relatively simple. Scan the barcode. I mean, literally, they've made it idiot-proof. You don't even have to press start anymore. You could walk up, scan your items, and put them in a bag, and like and click pay or just you don't even have to click pay you could just put your card in like you could be as disrespectful to the machine as and and still reasonably get through the process without uh any hindrance yet there's lots of hindrances (laughs) there's lots of hindrance man people are just so bad at that i don't understand because the they're big there are big glowing buttons that tell you what pressing them does and like people will be just We've had self-checkouts for how long now? I mean, like, for maybe a decade? Not quite, maybe? Um, seems like it. Seriously, yeah. I think so, probably. And and people still haven't figured out self-checkouts? Like, I'll, I'll, I'll go to the grocery store, and there'll be someone in the self-checkout just stumped, you know? Just, just completely stumped and at a standstill, and, like, making exasperated noises and looking around for an employee to come help them. And the employee will come over there and just go, boop! And hit the button on the screen and go, all right, there you go. And then they'll be like, ah, oh, all right, thanks. And they'll just continue about their way. And here I am waiting, like, with my two items. Why oh, is God. it that technology and, I mean, forgive me for critiquing old people here, but they're worse about it. So, so the older someone is, but, okay, so if there's a problem that presents itself in the world outside of technology, we 
anyone tends to say, all right, well, what do I know? How, what can I study? How can I look at this problem? And then how can I solve it reasonably? Um, mm-hmm. I do not, I feel like technology gets a unique pass, especially from older people where a problem is presented that is no more complex than, you know, there's something like, all right, the cereal I want is too high up. So that so I look around for options. Is there a stool? Is there a taller person around me? Can I? Mm-hmm. Is there a stick I where need, I can knock it off? Like there's a. I need to stack these bowls inside my cabinet. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like just, you know, I mean, like here's a task here's a that task. requires some amount it? of brain power. Yes. How do I arrange these different sized bowls and lids in my pantry area? And an old person can deal with that, and yet an old person can't deal with select your payment method. Right, and it'll say credit card, cash, debit card, or something. And have you know. pictures. And, yeah, and they're and big so, and they're giant. There's like three or four options. and I don't and, understand this either. And, you know, like all of my grandparents are, are bad with technology. I love my grandparents, but they're horrible with technology. And I don't really understand because most of the time when it comes to software interfaces anyway – the designers try to make it so that the, it tells you what to do. You know, there are buttons and icons and things that say, that essentially say, "This is what I do." Like, there's a there's a there's some dollar bills on the button next to cash, and you know, there's a little shopping cart icon if you want to see what's already in your cart on an online site. Mm-hmm. Like, buttons are labeled if you're on a website they say search and you know like address or whatever they say what they do now now, some modern designs now that we've had interfaces for a long time they try to make things a little bit more sleek and you know they don't explain things um and, and i'm actually not a fan even of that minimalist design i think things should favor function but but generally you can navigate technology even if you have no idea what it is, if it's foreign technology to you, because you you understand the basics of navigating a virtual world, you know you can move. If you understand how a mouse works, you understand how a screen works, you understand how a keyboard works. And I'm not talking mechanically; I'm talking functionally. Like the mouse is for moving this little thing around on the screen. Right. The screen displays uh, output for me, and the keyboard is an input mechanism. Like if you understand these things, you should be able to. F- to just feel your way along. And what I've observed with my grandparents is that even given those tools, they can't feel their way along to figure out how to work things. And I can't figure out whether that's because they don't understand the basics of the basics, like how a mouse, how you're supposed to use a mouse or a keyboard or a screen. I just, I find it hard to believe that it's a lack of understanding there. Another option that might be is fear of messing up. I think that's probably the more likely one. Well, that's actually what I was going to explore. So, yeah, first of all, it is like for some reason we grant a pass that if someone said, I can't stack these bowls, you would say, come on, you're smarter than that. And there'd be frustration. And we'd say, you can stack. I mean, assuming there's not a physical barrier, I'm too sure. weak or something. Like, no, you know how to do this. Do Like, come on, use your brain. But yet... With technology, we we kind of acknowledge, yeah, I guess it can be scary for old people. Then the question is, well, I'm ruthless with my grandma. I say, <laughs> get it together, grandma, and kick her. Left click, left click, left. What click. do you think I mean by left? Do you understand left? Do you know what click? You know means? left and right, grandma. 
Okay, so Not- let me let me theorize for a moment why f- the fear is so it is. Well, let's try to understand since this is obviously like lots and lots of old people fear technology. Is it because the older versions of technology were not as fail-proof in the sense that, like, the analogy would go something like this. Um, imagine I say stack these bowls, um, but one misstep and the bowls explode. I mean, you're going to be pretty <laughs> pretty scared of stacking the bowls, or at least resistant to. And so you see, and maybe everywhere you go, there's a different version of bowls, and they stack right. slightly different. You would rather just leave the just bowls like, on the counter. Yeah, and so, I mean, I do believe that earlier technologies were more susceptible. You hit the wrong button, and, you've, and they probably experienced this. They deleted a file, or the computer just went off or like weird stuff because it was clunkier and it was worse. And so you come to this piece of tech, you're a little iffy or even just suspicious, you know, all these natural things like what is this newfangled contraption? And I I feel like I'm being (laughs) left behind and I don't like it. And perhaps I can take some comfort in the idea of if other people also criticize this thing that is leaving me behind, like, well, then I can, I can like take pr- almost pride. Part of my identity starts to be resistance to this, but I really don't have any reason. So I'm coming toward it with all this suspicion, and then I click a button, and it just goes error, delete, and you're like, <laughs> "Oh my god, this is confirming all of my suspicions. I am done sure. with this." And so that that behavior was like they were getting uh, justified early on during like maybe the maybe, maybe. Yeah, and so conceivably. So here's something that might supplement your theory. So I think I think that it's a pretty safe it's pretty safe to say that technology 20 years ago, 25 years ago or 30 years ago was more prone to error um or more prone to disastrous effects, you know, like there weren't protections against deleting things or you could mess up something pretty important if you were just a clueless user. Things are a little bit more idiot-proof now, right. even if they are more complex right. in a way. So so there's that aspect to it, and that's what you're saying. But also I wonder, th- this may be a stretch, you can tell me what you think. Um, I wonder if uh, media exaggeration or amplification hasn't also strongly affected old people's fear or timidity when it comes to technology because if there's one thing that old people are not afraid of it's watching tv right. old people will watch tv and have watched tv that's a relatively safe technology at least for the last you know 40 years that's been widespread and common yeah. and also there are numerous stories pop culture shows movies whatever about killer computers or people messing up their computers on the news about your your credit card being stolen is that what you mean by exaggeration i didn't know what you meant by exaggeration um or amplification well they're they're exaggeration in the form of movies or tv shows that play up computers destroying things or taking over or ruining you you when they mess up tvs that hacking is you don't hack a tv so that for exaggeration and then for amplification, well, it's the same effect that we see now with the media. We only see negative news, and you know we see s- relatively small local n- negative news from some area elsewhere in the country that doesn't concern us at all, and everyone is exposed to that, um, and that's amplification of something that probably shouldn't really have as much amplification as it does, and so 
in the same way that negative portrayals of gun violence or 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 crime or whatever else make it into everyone's homes, similar stories of technological malfeasance um, or or malfunction make it into old people's homes, and they see that they're continually exposed to times when technology messes up, and so now when they have one of these mysterious computing boxes in their own home to mess with like they have all of this experience that they've seen on tv of it messing up and that can contribute to the fear or at least being timid and not wanting to to be the gullible fool that ends up on the news for having deleted their uh you know their their local town's database mainframe <laughs> you think that's a possibility that they, they get this machine and they're scared that they're going to de- delete something important of their town, like their town's history. And I mean, yeah, that's kind of silly. But <laughs> no, I love timid. thinking that, though. <laughs> oh, no. I, I mean, <laughs> imagine they, they the jokes you could play so... on your grandparents if you did something like that. You have deleted the archives of, your, of the local crap. library. You could have videos. The frame is gone, Grandma. <laughs> what did you do? The police are going to be after you. <laughs> you deleted the motherboard. <laughs> the motherboard, Grandma, the motherboard. <laughs> make up all these terms oh man you're, you're gonna have to pay for you know like i could grandma can now you have terms. random access memory on your computer <laughs> what have you done you turned on the random access memory they're gonna randomly access you uh, <laughs> i uh well i mean in that way we're joking but they offer like class like people try to capitalize on their fears and like try to do these classes for old people that are probably insulting where this is a hyperlink you know um but but it's not insulting if they really need it's not to know insulting it. if they don't know sure you're right actually i shouldn't say that but like i mean it seems I, I to think, me though i think that that's that's very helpful um yeah course, I mean, courses should be helpful but i don't like the idea of like Imagine your grandma said, "I just invested. It's five hundred dollars, and it's two. It's well, two sure, weekends obviously. over the month, and like you just go and it's a scammy, and they're talking about hyperlinks, and you're like, yes, I'm glad you're learning, and I'm glad you're, you know, feeling more comfortable. But oh my god, oh well, my god, I mean that, yeah, obviously off. you could prey on people. I feel like that exists um, deeply. Like that's just oh man, yeah, it may. That just seems like the thing that's more appropriately done at the local library. You know, just a little seminar or tutorial course right. that someone does to help people figure out how to check their email and whatnot. Right. Because, I mean, the steps are not, it's not hard. I mean, yes, you can, you can mess up and find yourself in a place or with a menu that you don't expect, but it's pretty easy to reverse those courses of action. Like, I, I trained my mom pretty well. Uh, so, you know, my mom is a you know she's not a technological expert but she can she can do what she needs to do on the computer now like she can uh she can google something that she doesn't know and watch a youtube video or send an email um she can handle that kind of thing sure yeah she she used to be just as scared of it as my grandparents because she was inexperienced but once you like once you start poking around and trying things then you learn what's dangerous and what's not and i think that's why I think the fear thing is probably the more likely explanation because that that keeps you from exploring. So take all of this, yeah. It, once you're poking around, I think you're on your you're well on your way to being fine. 
like if you're if you've overcome the fear and you're poking around, you're good. You're gonna learn now, um, right? Because you're actually engaging and doing the problem solving that we're talking about. That's what we mean. Um, so, how did we manage to? I mean, we poked around. That's how we managed to become relatively proficient i think we're a unique breed i mean i I like these terms digital immigrant and digital native so kids growing up now are digital natives they they were handed ipads at very young ages and like they don't they're not there's no fear because they haven't been in this you can you can imagine the difference like your mom is a digital immigrant she like existed pre-technology as we know it and now has had to warm up to the idea and immigrate over to the tech side and so we, you and I, I think, are the, at our age, are uniquely positioned. Like, I don't know what you would call us—a hybrid. Like, like we were thirteen, fourteen, doing dial-up stuff. We were on the frontier at, right. at a meaningful age, and so, like, we were necessarily just poking around. And did you ever mess anything up when you were? learning in the frontier of technology did you ever mess anything up i mean perhaps i didn't save a word document or something you know maybe i maybe i was frustrated that i had to redo an assignment but i can't even think of a specific one that was so large i never maybe it was like a smaller assignment um what was your experience with viruses and stuff like that um well that that's actually interesting i'd like to think about that for a moment i was like my my dad was big on like getting Norton. I, I had a fear of it. Well, that's the difference. Your dad, your dad, he. I mean, he may be a, tech, a technological immigrant. Is that the term you yeah, used? Yeah. But he, I, I guess, uh, acclimated to the culture. Was excited quickly. about it. Like part of his identity. And I mean, that's was, part of the his, latest. That's greatest. part of his job yeah. too, right? Yeah. So he he knew what was going on with technology and stuff. And so we had all this virus stuff, and it would be scary though. I'd go to like a website like funofun.com or like these like early sites that you know, mm-hmm. just silly sites and e-bombs world, and it would pop up and be like virus detected. And so I don't know. He he kind of showed me how to walk through it. So I did have a fear of viruses, but. Uh, and then like, you know, as soon as we, if we got a new computer, we'd upload it and it'd take a lot of time. And I don't feel like that's the, the process today. If people buy a computer, like that used to be in the same way people would want a phone case or a charger when you buy a phone. Um, like that's what you did when you got a computer is get all your virus software because it's just like you, you do that. Um, but I don't, that was my thought process, but I don't know that that's, maybe it's because I have an Apple. I don't know, but like. It, and it's wise to go ahead and download a free software if you do Microsoft or something. But I don't think of it as wild. Like I used to hear stats that like you're, you're, you'll be infected within one minute on the internet if you don't have any virus protection stuff. Do you remember this like pretty yeah, fever sure. pitch stuff? I mean, stuff? it did. It did used to be a, a lot more dangerous, I guess you would say, um, just because there weren't countermeasures and there were a lot of vulnerabilities and. Uh, because the internet wasn't as pervasive. I mean, it was still around, obviously, but people weren't used to, you know, getting regular automated updates or something like that. Then they would be left vulnerable, and you could get a virus from opening an email or an attachment or whatever. Um, I guess. And- I guess that. <laughs> I thought that it, the problem only gets worse with more people, more access, more bad guys, more viruses, more complexity. Well, well, I think 
Maybe it does, but there are also more sophisticated defense mechanisms. Um, browsers have a lot of built-in defenses now, and your operating system has a lot of built-in defenses. And unless you are poking and prodding in the shadowy recesses of the internet, then you're not going to encounter that many threats. And like, I guess, I guess with development of technology, there are now more safe areas as well. There, there are still plenty of dangerous areas, but there are lots of useful safe areas. And so you, you don't have to venture outside of the safe areas that often. You can, you can check your email. You can do your research. You can play your games. You can write your Word documents. All of that in safe areas of the internet that aren't quite as vulnerable. And those safe areas actually in a weird way would shrink the internet. We think of it as this ever expanding place and it is, but if you think of like if YouTube, uh, so like what do people do on the internet? You could probably have a pie chart that would say he 80% is occupied by 10 websites. I don't know. Maybe that's way off. I really don't know. But what I'm saying is when you have thousands and thousands of offshoots and if not millions at this point, um, Mm yeah but yet we're spending our time on youtube a few specific gaming websites and message boards and that sort of thing like and they're all safe like if you can they're gonna if you are safe then people will revisit you and that and that will become you know part of your regular process i i kind of had the same observation uh as as you just did um because right now i'm taking i'm actually taking a class on compute on info security so i'm having to learn about malware and all of that stuff and like i was just kind of thinking that it does seem like there's let a less of an emphasis on downloading antivirus software and running scans and firewalls and all of that stuff just seems to not be that much of a focus or a necessity now compared to before uh I, I've had that thought too, and I mean, I guess, I guess it is just because the the sites and tools that we use routinely have ironed out a lot of their vulnerabilities, or maybe it's just that the people designing the malware have turned their interest to other areas. I mean, if the user base of the internet is ever expanding and growing, why prey on the people using Microsoft Word? You know, when Microsoft patches all of their vulnerabilities and updates everything, like why focus on that pretty hard to compromise target when you can focus on developing countries and their like late nineties era websites? Uh, you know, like yeah. if you can get if you can prey on people there, whatever that means. Um, That's sad. Then, like, th- it makes it ever more difficult to start up something. But yeah, if you if you've decided YouTube or you've decided. I don't know, all these different domains are safe. Uh, or Gmail. Like, if I if I do online shopping, it's almost certainly through Amazon. I feel pretty safe through that. Um, even, I noticed if I go, I've bought some stuff not through Amazon, and they said, want to use Amazon Pay? And, like, I clicked it, clicked it and it had all my information once, wow. I, once I signed in. Not, like, in a creepy way, but I gave it permission, and I sure. used it. And this is, like... You know, just think Cole Hans was one, like the shoe place, like like different places that were just not clicking through Amazon at all. And so my point is just like it's shrunk the Internet in a way. Um, That's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah. Well, I, I more one, powerhouses. Um, one interesting thing that I did read 
I'm not a big fan of this course that I'm taking, but one interesting thing that I did read is about a particular piece of malware that was developed back in like, I don't know, 2010 or something called Stuxnet. Stuxnet. And it was actually <laughs> S-T-U-X-N-E-T, Stuxnet. Okay. That's what it was called. Anyway, it was developed and targeted at the Iranian nuclear development program, and it made its way into Iran and somehow into their like nuclear facilities, and it was built to mess up their hardware. So like there were centrifuges that were centrifuging material to use and like it made their centrifuges go berserk and wear out and fail. And like this was malware that someone or some government or entity wrote to sabotage their program. I thought that was kinda of wild. That is wild. Wow. That is what kind of warfare would you call that? Like Cyber warfare. That is true cyber warfare, isn't it? Huh. Yeah. Uh, it's a good example of it. It's creepy. I thought that was really cool. Now, my experience with viruses and stuff kind of differs from yours just a little bit, I guess. I mean, my parents were technologically inept, and so I was the only one who knew how to use the computer that we had, uh, and I was really the only one using the computer for the most part, and so I was the one having to figure out what I should put on there and what's bad and what's not. And I remember having weird virus experiences where, like, you know, the computer would behave strangely and just weird things would pop up and I'd be like, what the heck is this? Or you get an icon on your desktop all of a sudden for like dolphin screensaver and you're like, what? I didn't download a dolphin screensaver and it's just obviously some kind of malware. Um, and, you know, trying to clean everything and eventually learning, oh, I should have an antivirus or whatever and scanning and stuff. What? Uh, Nothing ever got too bad. What is malware? Can I ask you to just back up? Like, I hear this term thrown around, and I get it, sort of. What is malware? Yeah. Like, you see... It's just a general term for viruses or worms or... Is it short uh, for malicious software? All that stuff. Like, malicious software. Malicious software. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. uh, I don't know. I remember hearing about this one virus that if you clicked on some link, it could open your disk drive. Like, it would open and shut. And, like, it was yeah. creepy to think that if, if they could potentially start, like, make commands happen in your computer, what if it could, you know, it could just do just about anything, so. Well, they can do, I mean, depending on the vulnerability, they can do, they can delete all your files. Have you heard about ransomware? Where, like, they will... They'll infect your computer, and then while you're away from it or not using it or whatever, they'll encrypt your entire hard drive, and then they'll say, if you don't pay us you know, via this link or whatever, $400, then we won't send you the decryption key, and you'll lose all your stuff. And they really do. It's not like it's a trick. They really encrypted your hard drive. <laughs> do they really un- like give you the encryption key if you pay? I don't know. I'm not sure. Maybe. I bet they do because I bet like that spreads. And if it's effective, it's like, hey, they got the 400 and here you go. <laughs> Thanks for doing yeah. business. Like, holy crap. How do, yeah, how do they crazy. not get caught? Like, is it just difficult to find who they are? Like, Yeah, I, I don't know about track. I don't know how tracking them down works and everything, but. I mean, it's just a good argument for keeping backups of everything. So maybe that's so. How you get viruses should kind of it should uh, 
coincide with our previous conversation. So you're older, and so something says click here to fix your computer. So they click, and then they get a virus, or these just well, that's you know that's another thing too is that if you're if you are a novice at using the internet, then you're not you're not familiar with what's normal and what's not. Like if an old person saw an, a Windows XP window pop up that said new message from your friend or something like that on it. <laughs> yeah. You know, they might click, oh, read. I want to read my message from a friend. But it's but they're using Windows 7 or Windows 10. They don't recognize that it's a different, that it's fake, you know. Right. Um, so just not having that experience can make you more vulnerable. But that's all the more reason to, to start with a, a more stable, comfortable area of usage like, not on the internet, like on your desktop, learning how to move files or, or open the Word document, and then slowly going to learn how to check your email, learn how to run a Google search. And that's why Facebook is a pretty safe space for old people, you know, because no matter what you click on Facebook, you're not really going to mess anything up. Yeah, you might go to an ad at, you know, that's worst case scenario. Right. Uh, <laughs> well, then it really... It's not it, okay. So if if the if if technology is a super mystery to old people or just to people who have not been exposed, and they hear things like it connects you with people and all sorts of stuff, then it then because we chuckle or we scoff when you would see something like new message, like virus detected, or your friend wants to chat with you, and we just it's so like clear that this is fake. But hey, they, baby, want love yeah. now. <laughs> so some sort of, yeah, just ad or virus pops up, and we instantly identify it. But they have heard that you do get connected with friends or that you can have these experiences. And, oh, right. I guess this is how it works, you know. Well, I, I, I'm always, I always kind of laugh and kind of shake my head every time because I get, I get spam mail you know that's automatically filtered into into my spam folder mm-hmm. by some algorithm but one that i get all the time is trump care check your health care through you know through the government or whatever trump that's like care. the subject line and stuff <laughs> and i'm thinking like man like the, just looking at the the subject and and first line of the email that seems potentially official and like if i were just some old person who didn't know any better then that might be something you click on because you're concerned about health care and you know there's some kind of something with the president or something and you click on it and it's obviously spam right. and if you click on whatever link is in there or download whatever then you're gonna have a problem then, yeah then who knows what's gonna happen but it will be problematic it will not be a friendly thing it will not be a good right. experience and so maybe there is sort of this is the uncomfortable part that but like you should have skepticism and you should have discernment. And so you cannot treat technology or anything else in this world with this sort of magical mystery. Uh, because if you think of it as just magical and you go in thinking technology, because technology especially has this, it can do anything. Like we know when you buy a refrigerator, if it's like floating, like you should be scared. <laughs> like it doesn't do that. But but honestly, technology might be so mysterious and almost mystical to someone who doesn't know that like that that it's not that it, that is conceivable that they see this thing that says you have a message from a friend even though you haven't created any accounts you haven't done right. anything but you've bought this computer and maybe you're in the system maybe you're so there isn't enough skepticism and that's actually like 
an intellectual issue because I think if you take talk to a smart person who's never seen a computer in their life, but they're they're somehow they're educated and or or they're skeptical and they are discerning, and you explain to them just I mean give me five minutes to talk to them that they wouldn't be duped by one of those pop up messages, right? Like, don't right. you think you could? Yeah talk to someone who's discerning that could go look i haven't created an account and i'm getting this message that means it has to be fake um or just don't engage any of it yeah you might ignore a friend here but until you start to be able to pattern recognition you know you should be able to identify crap versus you know substitute yeah but i think it's it's a little bit more difficult than that because they might be you know doing their routine that they've learned how to check their email and then they get a little pop-up on the bottom that says Windows needs to update. And they haven't seen that before. It's not that common of an occurrence. Right. What are they supposed to do about that? Because actually you should update. That's what you That's should actually, do. You're actually asking but, a question that, that is probably very to the core of what where people screw up is they don't they do not do their updates because they see that and they don't know what to do. They kind of freeze. They want to not get a virus. And like right. that looks a little the, odd. Yeah, they're skeptical. This is unusual. I don't know what this is. Bennett told me if I see something unusual that I don't want to know what it is, then don't, don't mess with it. So I'm not going to mess with that. And I guess that's part of the reasoning behind Microsoft pushing updates in a mandatory fashion now because that's what they do. They just do it with without your permission. Yeah. Um, which I don't like, but you know maybe that is better for for some people. It's like, just look, we got to do this since we're dealing with lots of people. Yeah. <laughs> um, have you ever had a moment when you were a kid or whatever t- talking about these? You were talking about how an old person might be using the computer, and if they get a pop up that says you have a message from your friend, they should they should know that they haven't divulged their friends. And so this must be a fake interaction. Have you ever had a moment using technology of any kind, I guess, where where it surprised you, like it was legitimate, like it knew something about you that you don't, you didn't think you had divulged, but it knew, it knew about that, and and it kind of freaked you out. That's an interesting question. I one does not come to mind immediately. Um, let me think for a moment. Do you have one? I remember one time when I was, I don't remember how old I was. It was when AOL Instant Messenger was all the rage, you know, chatting on AIM and everything. And I was chatting with just random people. You know, you could just go into whatever chat room about whatever and talk to random people. And I was chatting with someone random and they said, hi, Bennett. Whoa. What? And, you know, my, my username wasn't, didn't have anything to do with my actual name. And this was just... A stranger. This was not someone on my friends list, and I, I, like, it shocked me. I was freaked out because I was like, "How? I have not divulged this information. How does this person know about this?" And it turns out that you could dig down in some series of menus and find, you know, what you registered as when you created your, your uh, AOL Instant Messenger account, and I put my, my name in there, and so this person was able to find my name. That would be a disturbing it, moment. Yeah, I mean that's that's the one that comes to mind, and like, their technology can be so complex, and there are lots of layers that it is strange when someone finds information and you don't understand the route that the information took. Like, for example, this isn't as shocking, but 
the other day I had to have uh, my internet service provider send a tech out to examine some router problems, mm-hmm. some signal issues or whatever. And like, it was just interesting watching him use the tools. I mean, he just had a smartphone and was typing stuff into a website and he had to call like central for some support or whatever. But like, he, when he called the support people, he didn't even have to say anything. They were just like, oh, you're at, you know, and they listed my address. You're at this person's house at this address, and, you know, this is their router brand and stuff. And I was like, holy crap, like, all that information is there? Like, they know the brand of my router, yeah, that which seems I odd. purchased and yeah. plugged in myself? Um, I just thought that, you know, I didn't realize that there was a route f- for that information, uh, so it was a, a shocking and a milder way um, to me that that information was there. I uh, This is somewhat similar, or I, it's a little bit of a different flavor than what you're talking about. But I've, I've for instance, like purchased um, um, Wendy's and then had Wendy's advertisements hit me up like online Oh, Even yeah. though I used my, I guess I used my card or whatever, so they knew it was me. It wasn't a cash payment, so uh, that that communi- someone's communicating those card services and trying yeah, to decipher sure. ad service. Ad servicing is kind of mysterious now, like how how much targeting happens and where does your information go so that you can be advertised to. And my dad, that is kind of strange. My dad swears he's had the. I think it was. Uh, I've already said refrigerator this podcast, but he he mentioned a refrigerator. He was talking about his his friend had gotten a new refrigerator. They talked about it a lot. He was on the phone talking about it, and he started getting refrigerator ads. And he had not Googled it. He had not searched. You know, he had not done anything. He had not purchased anything refrigerator wise. And yet, so so there there seems to be some sort of. I mean, the suggestion is there's a surveillance of of what you know talking i don't know right. but uh it makes me want to test that theory more he he swears it was unsettling maybe i mean there's always the chance that he forgot that he did search it or say it or something you know in some other context it's more you know easy to trace but he he swears by it and so i i believe that he believes it so uh hmm. i don't like this idea of talking like saying one thing and so like say maybe your youtube algorithm uh, notes that you tend to say uh, leftist talking points, so then they send you leftist videos on YouTube. Like, wh- think about that. Like, yeah, all the algorithms. Well, I get those algorithms after that... you've searched the videos, and that seems up for grabs, right? Like, a, you're watching a video, and here's a related video, and it can send you. I, I'm okay with that, but weirdly, if you were talking, and it, and it like your computer right. listened, and then YouTube suggested videos because like let's say we let's say we did a podcast on magic and we just talked about it a lot, and then I got online, it would freak me out if I started seeing like suggested videos on magic, magic. Kits and yeah, stuff. like yeah. whoa, so. yeah, that would be a little weird. I'm, I don't, I mean, I haven't had that experience, but then again, I have ads blocked on everything that I can, which I guess doesn't necessarily mean that. My information isn't being stored. It's just that I'm not seeing the they ads can't targeted reach you. back at me. Yeah, <laughs> it depends. I'm not sure what point in the chain things are getting cut off. Um, yeah, that's a but, good question. Uh, that that would be weird. And I don't like the idea of being eavesdropped upon and uh, having, you know, my words analyzed in order to serve ads to me i don't well that's what's scary is the assumption about ads is that now we know something about you and since we know something about you we 
we can or will attempt to manipulate you. And that right. is unsettling. Oof, that's unsettling. Right. Well, yeah, it's just, it's not, it's unsettling. And, you know, for some people, it may be an effective strategy. I just don't really think it would be that effective of a strategy with me. I'm pretty deliberate with the things that I buy. And, like, I don't, I'm not really a window shopper, and I'm not an impulse buyer. Like, I just tend to buy the things that that I need. And so, even if I were to see ads, I just don't think it would... Uh, it just wouldn't be that good of a strategy. I, so, they're, they're, they're not losing much business with me blocking I agree ads. with that for you specifically. I think most people overestimate <laughs> that their, um, their rigidity when it comes to, like, resisting, you know advertisements i think they're like ah yeah i don't do that because of advertisements i don't purchase based on this sort of you know targeted advertising but they absolutely do and i think you are a rare rarely invulnerable person when it comes to that stuff i think everyone else I don't even change my order at restaurants most of the time but you i mean you are you are uniquely positioned to not be affected by by that stuff huh well that was interesting um i think uh why don't we swap things up a little and rather than doing a superpower and drawback at the start of a podcast, why don't we round I it out? I like it. One? Let's do it. So this time, I think up until now, we've done only on a scale of one to 10, rank one or rank two. Right. The little superpowers stuff. And yeah. drawbacks. But this time I'm going to turn up the knob a little bit. These are rank wow, four. Double. And drawbacks. If they're not doubly more powerful i'm gonna be ticked yeah well i think that i think they are i mean part of the fun is how lame they are but you know when i'm thinking of these things if it's interesting i write it down and then i rank it and i just happen to have enough force i'm I'm excited about this without further (laughs) without further ado adieu um so the superpowers here's the first one it's called repair job any broken object you put in your mouth is completely repaired. So only the part that you put in your mouth okay. is repaired, but you can repair objects by putting them in, in your mouth. Um, if if I can't if I can only fit part of the object, can I try and go around and put the other half in and stuff like that? Okay. Yeah. Yes. But if it's too big, if it's too big to put in your mouth, yeah. you can't repair it. But if part of it is broken, then that part in your okay. mouth you can repair. <laughs> uh I don't, I'm thinking like because you can't repair like, you know big things like your car's broken or something, but maybe if like a spark plug blew, you could put that in your mouth and or if you dropped your I phone. I mean that's actually a good like, half and half maybe. It's you don't have to close your lips around it, I assume, but you have to like get it in there. Um, no, yeah, it just has to be in there. I mean, yeah, if you dropped your phone and the screen cracked, you could you know like try to. Do you have to Turn risk your injury and repair as much as you could? Then you obviously turn it just around. have to risk your like if it's cracked glass, it's freaking cracked glass in your mouth now it will solidify back i guess but like you have to you're taking a risk by putting cracked glass in your mouth yeah i guess you are right you have to be careful with right with repairing things okay. in this way i wonder what happens if you break one of your teeth hmm. <laughs> it's a mystery i didn't think about we won't go there um uh this the second superpower is uh photosynthesis so uh you can use sunlight to provide energy for yourself so one one hour of direct sunlight provides a nourishing meal's worth of nutrition. If you sit inside 
all day with light coming through your windows. That'll give you one small meal's nutritional equivalent, uh, and you can never overeat okay. this way. So you can't get fat by sitting nice. out in the sun. That's that's pretty um, major to me, um, because you could theoretically like eliminate food from your diet. You could. Yeah, I mean, one hour, one hour of sunlight for. A if minute. you're out there for three um, hours at the beginning of the day, and are you now? Are, are you going to get hungry by the end, or is it just like you've had your meal and it's not overdoing it, and you'll be hungry again later? Do you see what I'm saying? It's not like. Yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Let's say that it does kind of. It's almost like you have a buffer, um, where you know your stomach gets full of energy after right. an hour. Let's say you know you're. You, you fill up on your light absorption after an hour, and then you get hungry again right. over time. So if you spent three hours outside in the morning, you would only get one meal's worth of food. But if you went out for one hour in the morning, lunch, and dinner, yes. you would get so all So from 8 meals. to 11, I'm outside. But when I come back in, I'm, I'm exactly full, but like it starts to deplenish at yes. that po- point. Yeah. Right. You'd be hungry yeah. again around okay. 4 gotcha, p.m. or gotcha. something. Um, all right, and uh, now for the drawbacks. Um, so the first one is called sliding stride. Sliding stride. Uh, so the bottom of your left foot or sock or shoe, what, whatever's on the outside of your left foot, uh, experiences greatly reduced friction against whatever it touches. So it's about as much as it would be if you were walking on ice Woo! in tennis shoes. <laughs> only on your left foot. It's pretty bad. <laughs> Yeah, so that's a four. And that's assuming really quickly. So if I put on a sock and then put it in the shoe, it's it's not just slippery in the shoe. It's the, it's shoe. the shoe. Okay, gotcha. The outermost. Yeah, whatever's outside, whatever's okay. you know touching the ground essentially. Gotcha. Um, and then the other drawback is a long distance relationship. Um, so you form a special one way bond with a random teen in <laughs> Eastern Europe. And you can hear every word that they say as if they were right in front of you. Uh, no one else can hear it, and they can't hear you. And it keeps going until one of you dies. <laughs> do, do, a random teen in Eastern Europe, and so do they speak English, presumably, <clears throat> yeah. or not? Uh, n- no, they speak whatever they okay. speak. It's random. So whatever. I was probably going to speak some kind of. When they, Polish when they eat a meal and they chew, what are we, am I hearing? They, there's basically like an up-close mic that's not too loud. Just No, only uh, only verbalizations, only when they speak. When they, when, so you won't hear them chew or if breathe they whistle, or burp. Maybe, maybe if yeah, they burp. I think burp. they burp, I should hear it. If they're whistling or humming, am I hearing them? Yeah. I'm not hearing the other side of the conversations they're having? No, only from them. Um... <laughs> And they're teens, so they're probably annoying. <laughs> yeah, and, and they're, they're in Eastern than... Europe, so they're probably about ten hours ahead of 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 our time. And there's no time. way to mute this. You can't put your you close your ears, and you can't. Yeah, it's directly into your head. You would learn to ignore. That's the whole job. How to what extent? The question is: To what extent? And this is for both of them. To what extent can you ignore the volume and cancel it? You know, it'd be fine. Um, and then, yeah. What what can you pay attention to, or how can you control your focus? Wow, it all links. <laughs> well, together. the the ice one, yeah, it's like can you can you compensate this? Can you can you compensate for this? Can you learn to? Well, it's almost like wearing. We- you remember the wheelies, yeah, the shoes yeah. with the wheel in them. You can kind of do that. Just your left with foot. With your left foot. 
um, slide around. I mean, everywhere. you could just get one of those. Um, have you seen? This is a very common instead of um, crutches. Now they do the the one legged scooter. You're bent at the knee on this cushioned thing, and yeah, I have seen that for particular yeah, it's, injuries. It's, I see it fre- as frequently as I see crutches now. Seriously, in schools, of course, it creates issues because wow. kids can actually get around faster, or it becomes kind of a fun thing to zip around, and you know. Uh, or the, their friends want to use it and stuff, but um, yeah, it's now like a very common prescription for that for whatever injuries that's suitable for. Um, uh, all right, so the putting things in the um, okay, I'm gonna get just instant like if I were, and then I'll think it through. Um, I my initial reaction is to take the food, the photosynthesis one, and. It, and take a uh, slippery foot. Um, now I don't know if that'll bear itself out as I as I walk myself through this, uh, and you can help walk me and challenge me too. Um, the the <laughs> voice thing, I, I, you don't know what you're getting. There's too much risk involved. If you said if you could give me more parameters and ensure I'm not with some shouty yelly per like, what if I had someone who shouted that no matter if I'm able to. If I'm sleeping and you're shouting, like you can't overcome that pretty much. Like I don't think that's even with your white noise. My white machine? noise machine might do a lot. I'm actually curious. I don't want to get too mystical here, but like if it's if I'm hearing their volume, is it as if they're standing next to me? Is it in my head? Yeah, as if they were right so in front of you. That means that the white noise machine does to some extent cancel it out. I mean, that's what I don't get. I mean, it just it. Just bombards you with enough noise that it just seems like so earplugs kind of do it too. I could actually at night pass. No, earplugs okay. won't do it. Um, um, I just, I mean, that's still even if earplugs were allowed, I'm still cutting out all noise during those times. So I'm having to, you know, uh, earplugs. I imagine would not help okay. at all because then everything else would be quiet and you would just hear their voice loud okay. and clear. Whereas with the noise machine, you're getting bombarded with additional noise, and even though you can hear their voice as if they were standing right in front of you, things are so loud that you can't well, make sense the, of it Well, the interesting thing about the you noise know? cancellation, or, or noise machines, is there's a cancellation technique going on, and they're interacting. But if they're not interacting, I'm very curious in this weird thought experiment how it would actually work. <laughs> um, but Well, just imagine like the difference... Um, you know, if you were at a loud concert and someone was standing right next to you, yeah. talking to you, you right, might not exactly. hear them. Okay, and that's kind um, of the idea. I just find that this is the great risk. I could get someone who's really quiet, talks very rarely, is mild mannered, and it just would not be a huge deal. Um, I also don't like the idea of like I would start to, in a weird way, get to know them. What if they cried a lot or had a bad life? That would plague me. Um, even it, what if they were promiscuous and I had to sort of like participate, like, hear that <laughs> in some way, like that's, <laughs> so are these positives or negatives? <laughs> no, this, I don't like the idea of having this bond <laughs> that I'd. Yeah. But also like it would be kind of a fascinating anthropological study too, right? Like you would. You would grow really close to this person, and you I mean you might form a long distance relationship of a kind. You could even learn the language and then like have this really unique and special 
<laughs> like character that you could learn about. I mean, about. You, these are you make a you make a good point. I don't know that you could move. You could go there and find them, and then you eliminate this uh, this drawback, oh, and, then, and then just partner up with them. <laughs> just be like, you're right. We're gonna. <laughs> oh, so yeah, in that moment, I walk into the room, and they're. Or you could just go find them and kill them, and <laughs> then. And then that goes a, away too, because it doesn't jump to someone right. else after they die. That's actually so. If they're a high risk person and they die, like I, they, the next day, I've really then you're then you're um, off the hook. So much risk involved. Like, so you make good points. I just don't find them compelling. Uh, like, I don't. I, I don't want that sort of forced bond. Like you're forcing me to now be a attached in a very intimate way to someone across the world without them knowing. So I have no say in the relationship yet. I'm deeply committed to it. And that is strange. Not necessarily. You don't have to pay attention. I mean, you are stuck listening, but you don't Um, have to pay attention. I do think over, that's the question. The the real question is over the, it would take maybe months, if not years, but to what extent could I learn to ignore? And when would curiosity get the better of me? And, um, I, oh, I do not like it. Like it is pretty. Well, let's talk about the sliding stride because I'm not sure you're giving it enough credit. Uh, like it would make, I mean, it would make mobility significantly more difficult in almost every circumstance. Like even just climbing stairs be would be scary. a lot more difficult. I mean, I might even be eliminating sort of sports or running or. Maybe even some workouts. Oh, maybe maybe definitely workouts. <laughs> maybe, yeah, many um, workouts. Like yeah. I, you. I mean, running would almost be out yeah, of the question. I feel like it would. Um, I mean, you could maybe develop some special form of mobility. You're essentially skateboarding on your left foot. You know, like you you might be able to be mobile and get around if you develop the skill, but. If you wanted to participate in normal things like jogging or yeah, playing a sport or whatever, then it would be well. Just far going more upstairs difficult. and daily walking around. I want to know. Yeah, I want to know how much it's affecting me. My daily activities, which include just like walking upstairs and walking to classes, and well, I love walking. Uh, I really find that to be right. peaceful. I go on walks all the time, and how disruptive, and it could potentially be quite disruptive unless I'm able to. Like if it's consistently slippery, the problem with ice is sometimes you're like fine, and you're, and then sometimes it's whoop, and it just slips. I mean, in extraordinarily slick. Uh, and so I'm gonna right. Well, this is always right. So very I at least slick. know what I'm working with, which gives me hope of compensation. Um, and and mm-hmm. to what extent could I get creative about that compensation? I'm sure I would dedicate a lot of energy uh, compensating in the best way possible. Um, so the the really slick thing, and almost like you said, like skateboarding on it could be interesting. <laughs> like I'm just <laughs> in the same way, it would be interesting to learn about your uh, Eastern well, European friend. Yeah, they're both. Yeah, you're right. Like, so you're what, you're what you're telling me is you don't want either of the superpowers. You just want both of the drawbacks. <laughs> they're terrible drawbacks. Like this this might be a situation in which I don't take it. I, I actually. Um, <laughs> I'm serious. I think we might be in don't take it territory. Um, let me explore the putting the stuff in your mouth. Like I don't like. Um, I mean, you could you could make a living that way. Yeah, fixing 
I mean, even like jewelry. That's what I was just thinking. Jewelry, jewelry and phones and uh, jewelry and small electronics and phallic <laughs> objects. <laughs> what happens if you? So food is like masticate. Like there's no, there's no. No food. Uh, food doesn't. It doesn't need <clears throat> repairing. Doesn't, I suppose yeah, it's not some kind of weird, weird thing where you can't um, eat anymore. I'm trying to think of other inventive ways to use this. Like what? What? Uh, it doesn't recharge things or like give them service when they didn't previously have it, right? Like it's not like a broken. No, we're just gonna say physically, physically broken. So if you accidentally erased your flash drive and then put it in your mouth, it wouldn't restore the right. data. But if you dropped it in water and it damaged it and you put it in your mouth, it would gotcha. repair it. Um, let's say, let's say I have a jump rope and I've used it and it's frayed to the point that it snaps. Now I put those two ends of the jump rope in my mouth. Like, does it put them back together? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. It puts them back okay. together. I'm just making sure, like trying to think cause I can't. No, that's a good question. I didn't, I didn't think about all the possible cases. I think that's fair. Yeah. You put the two ends of your jump rope in your mouth and it, it yeah. repairs them. Um, a DVD, I lick it. It's scratched as fuck. I like lick. No, lick, licking doesn't work. It has to be in your mouth. So, you could, but you could kind of like stick it as far as you could in your mouth. You might be able to reach the central maybe, part yeah. of the and DVD, I could just spin maybe, it. and then just turn <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> really funny. <laughs> uh, so let's say I have a. Um, what about antique items? Like, I have an, if I had an antique corroded. Um, <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, you like you know I have a typewriter. One of them's really one's in working condition and great, and it's antique. But the other one's like just to, just for decoration and stuff. So if I put my mouth sure. over one of the um, keys, would it like look new? Like be restored to its original? I think it would, right? Like I tend to think it would go to its original working condition thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean that makes the most yeah. sense. Um, <laughs> so I could like. So it doesn't remove dirt or anything. So. If it was, you know, caked on with rust or rust dirt, is or rust right? yeah. is rust yeah. is damaged, so that would be repaired. But if it was just dusty or grimy or something, but that's it fun because I could that. I can handle that the, and then do that. I can physically do that afterward. Yes, right, right. But yeah, like so, um, if it was, let's see, discolored in the from sitting that's in damaged, the sun or right? something. Yeah. That's damage, I think. So that would yeah. be repaired because those keys are actually yellowed, um, so they would not. What if it's, what if it's impo- like well, uh, okay, these little they, they have these pearlized like covers over, and some of them are broken. So it's like a half, like the letter D will have half of this little encasing, and I put it over. Mm. Like, is it the full encasing then there? Since I don't have the other half, hmm. right? Hmm. This is a good question. I feel like it needs yeah, answering like, because. I mean, what if you had a jump rope that frayed lost in half, the other half, but you yeah. didn't have, or half of or it. a key broke and I lost the, you know, that part? Could I put the key in my mouth and it restore one part restores the mm. the entirety? Sure, yeah, and then you know, if you broke the key in half, put half of it in your mouth and then the other half in your mouth, would you now have two keys? It seems that wrong. seems it's illegal, seems, well, right? It seems like that. When you put it that way, it seems wrong, but I think that it should. I think that like half of your stuff that gets broken that you want to repair is like chipped off or a lot. Like, and if you're repairing it, you want to restore the chip. You want to restore the right. So let's say let's say how it works is that 
you you can't duplicate items and so let's say that um that that you know that happens like you have a um uh, like your TV remote or something you drop it and part of the plastic breaks off and so you have one big part of the remote and one broken yeah. off piece of plastic if you put the remote in your mouth then it repairs the chip and the chip yes. disappears yes good i'm good with that so you it can't it can't create additional right. matter gotcha it can just restore gotcha. it okay i like it that no, seems that's, fair that's enough. A reasonable interpretation of the <laughs> of this. What'd Otherwise, it'd be it too again? powerful, mate. I think repair, repair job. job. Um, like a blowjob, but <laughs> that's actually things. why you. I did not. I didn't put it together. That's what, <laughs> what you were going for. Um, I said you're repairing. <laughs> oh, I'm forgetting the other one now. You made me just. Uh, Photosynthesis. Photosynthesis. Okay. It's not clever. It's just accurate. <laughs> well, it gives you. Kind of. Yeah, you get energy, and and from, um, and it, it just for for the argument. I'm not like starving or like craving food. I feel satiated. Satiated. It. 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 Yeah. You can. It fulfills your hunger. You can still eat. Sure. I can still enjoy the pleasures of food and like, and even use right. it as but, but you could if I wanted. Like, like I could go back and forth. I could eat one meal a day if I wanted and do two hours of sunshine in right. different parts. Right. Yes, you could. But um, I guess you would still be in jeopardy of weight gain because you can't overeat with photosynthesis. But if you get your three meals light exposure and then you eat a pint of ice cream or something then then you're still getting more nutrition than you yeah, need i get what you're saying okay so if i chose to invest in some really expensive what like light boxes that replicate sunshine and like have the rays that, that like, no it's okay. got to be natural it's got to be natural sunlight um yeah magic yeah. uh we can't yeah it's mat i mean even if we can make a plant grow with artificial light, which you can, this doesn't work that way. It has to be the you actual know, sun. As much as I romanticize the outdoors, oftentimes I'm more comfortable indoors. Like I'll, I, I don't know if I've expressed this on this podcast before, but like I'll be like, I want to, I can read in cool spots, right? I got on a bench by the water, and then I get out there, and the bench is actually not like ergonomically comfortable, and there's yeah. like. I've done yeah, that bugs exact are thing. There. And so you're like, all right, fine, I'll finish this chapter. But then I'm going in and sitting on something comfortable in my air yeah. condition and maybe next to a window, but still. like I, So we, we totally, or I romanticize the outside and then try to experience it and think, dang it. You know? Yeah, I'd rather be I mean, I, that's, inside. That's actually why I like walking because I'm experiencing the outside. I love it. Um, and... And, and then, then it's over. Well, and I'm moving, so it's either creating either just a, a nice, uh, a, some sort of breeze. Like, I'm moving through the air, so I'm experiencing something against my skin. And and then I'm not having yeah. to, I mean, sitting down outdoors is just significantly less comfortable than, because the outdoor chairs are typically just these, they're hard. Um, yeah, different yeah, materials. And they, have, or they have to be weatherproofed, which are not usually less comfortable. Right. Um, right. If it's hot, then they kind of stick it's to your rare. Skin. I mean, it's remarkable. Like, it, it's rarely very comfortable outside. It's almost always, like, 
on good days, what we mean by good days is it's acceptable. Like it's either it's a little colder than like it'd be or it's a little warmer, but it's like when you're indoors, you're almost always where you want it to be. Uh, I don't like this because I feel I don't like the idea of being inside this tiny box and and not going out and but but I'm just being realistic that if I'm accepting this photosynthesis magic that like I might find myself in a position where I'm like oh do I really want to go outside for an hour when I could just eat this sandwich? Well, it says sitting sitting inside all day with just with light coming through your windows that gives you one small meal's nutritional yeah. equivalent. Um, um, so as long as you're getting some ambient yeah. light. I mean, you could even sit in the window so that you're getting direct sunlight, but you're yeah, still inside. I mean, that's that's one meal, and like giving me one meal a day is something. But repair when I mean, I'm starting to almost convince myself of repairing anything that I can fit in my mouth is starting mm-hmm. to sound like I could make a career out of that. I could ex- that the gifts that that could give me that I could give others. Like the photosynthesis one is for me, and that's that's all it's going to benefit. Um, and it might, and it right. requires some lifestyle adjustment, possibly. Um, well, it doesn't require it. Well, I mean, if I want to does, get the full utility, if I want the full utility of it, um, and so, right. whereas putting stuff in your mouth, other than putting it in there, which is a, an adjustment, I'm not used to doing that. And there's some be careful moments, but overall, like sure. if I choose to go to a business, I mean, I could, I think I could easily just have an F like do my job now go home collect or go to the business stuff a bunch of things in my mouth I mean this is almost <laughs> instantaneous right I'm not gonna leave it in there for an hour or something it's yeah yeah it's it's pretty much so today like you know I, come, I go I walk in and I see 40 rings and that could take all of seven or eight minutes or if not less and then like right. I've done a day's work and customers are happy because presumably it's pristine you know um yeah and yeah. and then maybe I hire one more person to do it cleaning, so if it's jewelry, they you know polish it or whatever um pretty standard mm-hmm. easy stuff um so oh, that's actually sounding a lot more appealing now, plus it could be convenient for friends and me and 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 I get to ch- so maybe I'm actually convinced myself into the the mouth the mouth thing repair job repair job <laughs> repair so now I'm leaning toward repair job and I still can sliding stride long distance uh, relationship. I still think slide and stride, but I, I, so now the real question, do I take it? Right. You know what? I think for the first time I'm going to say no <laughs> <laughs> because my life's going to be deeply affected. And like, I, I just can't guarantee how deeply you could slide into work, into your jewelry repair shop and just be like, zoop, 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 and, <laughs> Put a bunch of rings in your mouth and swish them around. It is weird that I'm t- I'm turning on down each side, spit them out, I'm turning down something glorious, and then slide <laughs> out. And there you go, a hard day's work. You, that's a, I mean, it is compelling. You're offering me magic and like something I could probably. Cl- I'm offering you multi magic. Like you could, if you decide you don't want the normal, you know, eight to five grind or whatever. Imagine the kind of stage act you could put on with these two abilities. Also, yeah, I mean, it might be kind of lame, but no, like if you did it cleverly. If you, you designed get, you get it, an you could make a lot of money for a lot of reasons and a lot of like you. You're, you're offering me like wealth and riches and and as well. So like, ah, oh, gosh. 
I mean, wealth, if I put it to good use, and I, I, I have to work toward it, but I would. I, would, I think I would develop both a show and a, a service if I'm willing to, you know, <laughs> give up teaching and whatnot, which I, I don't know. Um, man, but I, the risk is just pretty great. Like, you might have just, like, in a way, handicapped me physically in a substantial manner for the rest of my life. Well, why not take the long-distance that relationship men- and, and just mentally, go kill that person? Hey, they, that might do something. Well, yeah, go kill that person. <laughs> yeah, just abandon any sense of my moral or ethical code and just... Well, I mean, for... if Let's see, if they're 10 hours ahead, then at least part of the day, when you're awake, they'll be asleep. Yeah, there will be likely. moments, lots of moments of quietness. If they're sleeping 6, 8 hours, like, I... Yeah, uh... No, I can't do the pairing with the person. I'm pretty clear on that's not an option. So my option is sliding around. Um, and it's, a, to be honest, even though we're intellectually like examining it, it's it's totally an experiential thing. So I don't know what I'm investing in. Um, but I might just take it because like, uh, the, the real question is, would you be willing to just be in a wheelchair and like pretty much operate that way except a lot more mobile than someone right. who actually cannot use their legs? And you get riches and you right. get, you know, like all of this access and like you don't actually need mm-hmm. some of the like you might not need a, a lift for your car or, you know, you don't have to. Could get in your car you could probably still dr- you could dr- drive you could yeah. still drive so, okay i think so maybe that's that's uh, oh my gosh i think i'm gonna say yes now wow i've really wow. gone all, all over right the here <laughs> i feel like i've i did a good job rating yes. these do you think i i these They're are all, all pretty, pretty close? close uh the fact it might surprise you that i can definitively say i can't partner up with the person but i, I still i stand by it i just can't partner up with the person but i do yeah, think yeah. that other people might find that more appealing so yeah those were well hmm. well they were they, there's ec- equity amongst them i don't know they're 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 well done but you you came mm-hmm. i was very mm-hmm. close to not choosing it um yeah right so, uh, uh yeah, i feel well, you pat yourself on the back what did you uh what what would you choose I think, I think I'm I'm gonna mirror your choices. Actually, um, I think you can get the effect of photosynthesis. It, it just doesn't save you that much. Uh, you know, you can just eat food, eat, eat a meal, and get your nutrition nutritional requirement. I mean, it is kind of nice to not have to do that, and you know, it's a decent diet plan since you can't overeat that way. Um, you know, you could essentially maintain. You could maintain your fitness a, a lot more easily if you just kind of swore off food, essentially, and were like, I'm just going to be outside. You know, I'll just go take a nice hour-long walk, uh, and then I'll sit on the porch and read and, you know, yeah, whatever. Just essentially spend yeah. three hours outside, and you're fine. So that's nice and all, but repairing, I just think that that's more that's more unusual. You can't. There is no comparable thing you could do in real life other than actually repairing an item, and some items just can't be repaired back to pristine condition. So this is truly magical. Um, you could monetize it. Yeah. And then for the drawbacks, pretty much the same reasons that you say. I think sliding stride, yeah, it would be real annoying, and you would be prone to injury for for a few years while you got used to it. 
but I think you could get used to it. You could, you could, you could develop a natural way for you to get around. Like it would just be like skateboarding anywhere on your left foot, and then when you couldn't, you would just have to very tenderly manage your left foot. You know, like put it down without much forward momentum, and then favor your your right foot. It would be annoying. You would look really goofy trying to get around that way, and people. Like, the thing that I think would be most worrisome is interacting with other people. Like, just imagine a daily situation where you have to go to the grocery store, and, like, you're going to, like, no matter what you do, unless you get one of the electric carts, which I guess is an option, like, you're going to look really (laughs) unusual. You're going to either be very tenderly, like, prancing into the store, like, just really weirdly, like, placing your left foot down very tenderly and then stepping with your right foot, or you're going to be sliding around like Sonic the Hedgehog <laughs> on some kind of grind rail or something going, like, give me that cereal while you grab your cereal yeah. off the aisle. No, there's no... And people are going to be looking at you and you're going to draw a lot of attention. That social component is non-negligible, you're right. But it's just manageable. And so, like, I, th- I think you could hide the long-distance relationship one. Like, you could... You could conti- if your mental fortitude is there, you could continue to live your life as normal um, and get away without any impact. Now, obviously, it's not as easy as all of that because you're going to have this person's voice in your head, uh, and it would get annoying, but if your focus is up to it, then you could just tune that out. Now, my focus is probably not up to that. Um, I like things quiet, and someone's voice in my head would would really annoy me, especially if I couldn't understand. Well, actually, maybe less if I couldn't understand it. Maybe it's better that I don't understand right, it. Right, that's going to attract you. Cause then because then it's, it's just actual gibberish. ideas being expressed, you're going to latch on to those frequently. Right. But, but if they are actual ideas and I can understand them, then I might actually become interested in the person and, like, you know, it's almost like tuning into a soap opera or something. Like, oh, what are they going to do today? I'm not convinced that being interested Hearing in them, them would be a kind of a softening that could be actually more frustrating. Uh, just Why? because Why? then you are subjected to the their whims. So when they do start speaking, you're wanting to listen um, and you're caring and you're starting to consider or they, you know, they might wake you or you're, you're more likely to be pulled from your sleep and... You, yeah, but if it's interesting and like engaging, well, well to do what you don't have, like you don't in almost everything you engage in, you have some say over. Um, even if that's like a TV show where you're not having much engagement of where you're doing something, you can still stop it or you can choose to engage it. Um, but this is just something that's on now, and like you are not, you have no role in it, uh, and that's fascinating, but also eerie. I'm not. I mean, most things that happen, happen without your say-so. Sure, but then you interact. There's no interaction here. And so, like, every relationship we have, we play a role. It's like a two-way street. Most of the things we do have a two-way street. I'm not saying that we have control over the origins. I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I mean, like, like what if, uh, you know, they're repaving your road? I mean, that's something that happens without right. your say-so. And you don't interact with them; it just happens, and you deal with it. I, I mean, I think most things are just kind of 
events that happen to you. Some personal interactions, yeah, like you don't get much say or, or you can interact with and change the course of those. But compared to all the things that happen in the world around you, only a small bit of those are personal yeah, but interactions. Say, like, meaning comes from our like who we interact with. So I get what you're saying. Like, yeah, okay. I mean, I mean, it's kind of like you know the soap opera analogy is appropriate, but before we had DVRs or before we could just look them up online or record them on tapes or whatever, and they just played every day, and there was nothing you could do about it. it would be, it's kind of like um, that, right? It's a one a one yeah, way it was relationship on all the time. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and yeah. soap operas. I mean, it kind of is like well, a long running soap opera soap that opera, might go right? into areas that, like a soap opera, like. There is some agreement that like it's on TV, so it's not going to have like the sort of violence or sadness or. So this would be even better than a soap opera because it's more re- um, lifelike. <laughs> That's one way. I, say, I mean, it could go into some really dark places. Um, are you talking yourself into potentially choosing it? Why not no. though? Is, is, the risk is annoying. so great. I, I, no, it's not the risk. I'm not concerned about risk. I'm concerned about it being annoying, really annoying. Right. Well, the... I, I mean, like, I don't think there's much danger of me f- forming some strange bond with the person in a way that I, like, am invested in their life all that much. Like, I just don't really f- think that's much of a risk. I think the greatest risk is that I'm going to be trying to sleep and they start shouting in their language and i'm gonna be really annoyed yeah. by that yeah i mean that's if they're just a loud talker even oh yeah it seems so mild though someone so. mildly talking or even loudly talking like that like it's not a physical impediment so <laughs> but i'm st- right yeah i just think i just think that i could probably make do with the sliding stride i mean in my day-to-day we don't get we don't get don't, to sample I'm just these not out and week, about. do we? Like I can't. <laughs> no, no sampling. You, this is a a genie offering this <laughs> yeah. deal to you. So, yeah, I just think that I could deal with the sliding stride. I could deal with it, and it might even be cool in some circumstances and annoying in others. Probably more annoying than it is cool, but I could deal, and I could I could I could make the repair job work for me. Whereas photosynthesis would be nice, but but not that nice and long distance relationship would be just annoying and the the positives i would have to really search to see the silver lining for that one yeah. it would just be more annoying so i think i'm gonna go with your same choices i don't think i would walk away though like i think i could make it work and be beneficial yeah me too i think i do i mean i cautiously accept i i hesitantly accept but i do accept all right oh man that one that one uh was, was. pretty good it was I enjoyed it. All right. Nice podcast. Nice podcast. Do, 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 do. Bye. <laughs> Bye.